The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the host and guests and do not necessarily represent those of any organization, including one generation away. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. With the GOP set to take the reins of power in the House of Representatives in 2023, what does this mean for Democrats who have become used to little or no opposition to their agenda? What can Republicans do to sway things in their direction? And of course, is the legislative agenda of President Joe Biden dead in the water? Welcome back to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'm your host, Mark Angelides. On today's episode, we delve deep into the most important questions regarding the political world in 2023. And remember, this show is proudly sponsored by LibertyNation.com, where you can access a range of breaking news, analysis, podcasts, all to whet your appetite for freedom and your fondness for the great American constitution. From holding the trifecta of the White House, Senate and House, President Joe Biden has been denied control of the lower chamber from the red trickle in the midterm elections. But what does this mean in terms of his ability to continue the radical agenda of the last two years? Well, we're fortunate to have our special Liberty Nation radio panel with us today to answer these very questions and more. Our team includes longtime host of this here Liberty Nation radio show, Tim Donner, political author and satirist, Graham J. Noble, and he of Talking Liberty and Uprising podcast fame, Mr. Scott D. Casenza. Now, gentlemen, uh, Barack Obama, when faced with a similar situation, said that he still had his pen and his phone, but he also had energy uh, and a certain amount of charisma. Now, how does Joe Biden manage now that his rubber stamp has been removed, Tim? Well, he's got the pen and the phone, but he doesn't have even the uh, personality of Barack Obama. And I think we're in a time of even greater divisiveness than we were after the 2010 and 2014 elections, which both were a slaughter in favor of the Republicans. So, you know, for the, it, honestly, at this point, Mark, I think it's all about positioning for 2024. Everybody knows nothing's going to get done. The Democrats will get judges through the Senate. That's the biggest uh, defeat for Republicans is being unable to just stop the judicial um, assembly line, which has been very aggressive, by the way, for Biden, every bit, if not more aggressive than Trump in terms of getting judges through the Senate. Uh, but in terms of the House, it's going to be all investigations. They're not interested in anything bipartisan, I don't believe. And nothing that they do is going to get through the Senate and the president. So uh, it's going to be gridlock with a bunch of investigations by the Republicans and positioning for 2024 as to whether anybody's going to challenge Biden and how they, many. Will they, they have to get on the Queen Kamala uh, set up for her uh, for her enthroning. Yeah, well, that, that we could do a whole show just on that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so coming back to, to Joe Biden, uh, Graham, we, we've seen Joe Biden over the last two years, he gets, I, I don't know, I think the the nice way to say it is he gets somewhat extracurricular 
when it comes to executive orders and the constitution. Um, now, are we about to see uh, a bevy of lawmaking on the fly, do you think? Oh, without question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, my head is already spinning just imagining what kind of things they're going to come up with. Uh, and of course, you know, and Tim is right. And I've said this before as well is that, of course, because of, because of the, the very, very delicate balance of power now in the, uh, in Congress, particularly in the House, um, you know, legislation is going to be tough you know, for either party to get anything through, uh, especially, of course, for the Republicans, because they they do not have control of the Senate. Um, But that said, I think the Democrats are probably going to throw a lot at the wall to see if anything sticks. Um, I I, I actually believe that they'll, they'll possibly try to ram through all kinds of just bewildering and bizarre and weird and wonderful bills. And, of course, a lot of those won't uh, get through Congress, but but it sets them up for 2024 to be able to say, well, we tried to do this and the Republicans stopped us and we tried to do this and the Republicans stopped us. So, so yeah, very, very much the next two years is, is going to be kind of, we're almost now into the, uh, the 2024 presidential campaign kind of by proxy. But very much so. Now, you talk about the uh, the kind of things that they'll throw against the wall and hope will stick. Now, I'm assuming that some of those will face uh, legal challenges in court, which is why we're very fortunate to have uh, Scott being our, our resident legal mind. Oh, okay, we'll, we'll call it a, a legal lapel, a legal tie, a legal shirt, uh, but with a mind atop it. Now, Scott, how likely is it that President Biden spends the next two years trying to in court, essentially, trying to enforce the the whims of his uh, handlers, sorry, his advisors. Do you mean by challenges to executive actions and such? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's a high likelihood that they will, but I I don't think that's a real stumbling block for them to go ahead and proceed with trying to implement these things. They're willing to fight, uh, you know, firing everybody for vaccines on on a whim for, you know, know, it's not like Biden has to take – uh, money from some budget to pay for massive legal fees like Americans do to fight for their rights who can't afford it. Um, the government gets free representation by and large by the massive you know army of lawyers they already have on staff. So wow, where do uh, they get the money for that? By the way, I wonder. Uh, well, the people, <laughs> of absolutely. All right, so we're likely to see a lot of court challenges, but of course, Scott, just to clarify this for me, uh, if he implements an executive order it's likely to stay in place until it's shut down, which could take months. If it is, if, if, for example, if the executive order is unconstitutional, it could take months for it to be shut down. And even then there's challenges, which means it could carry on. Right. So it could carry I'm on. I'm not signing on to the idea that it's <laughs> likely to be in place until it's shut sure. down. I think anything's up for grabs, Mark. We've seen, uh, you know, the, the way that the judges behaved during the Trump administration was that a single uh, you know, applicant for relief in the appeals courts could trigger a, an internationally uh, recognized wide injunction by some district court judge. And the new, a number of justices spoke out against that kind of judging, namely Clarence Thomas, who spoke directly to the point and rebuked the judges who did that. But that doesn't mean that uh, some judges, you know, won't still uh, proceed in that manner. So, OK, uh, Tim, coming back to you for the final word on this. Do you think that 
Democrats will try and position themselves as the underdog party because they don't have the House. And will that be effective? Well, I think uh, Graham hit on it pretty well. They'll, they're already working on their campaign that's going to uh, depict the Republicans as obstructionists, that all they care about is running investigations into the president where nothing's been proven, uh, according to them, with the investigation that was unleashed by Republicans recently. So, look, the uh, the Democrats can try to posture. They, they probably think that the a surprisingly strong midterm result that they got was basically approval by the voters of their agenda. If they do, if they do, in fact, believe that and act on that and campaign on that, I think they're they're going to lose big in 2024. Yeah, a lot of that will come down to the messaging. Now, now we're talking with Liberty Nation panel on how the political world is preparing for 2023. And after this short break, we'll be back on Liberty Nation Radio to examine the power that resides in the House of Representatives and just how the GOP intends to wield it. Don't go anywhere. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. And we're back with our special Liberty Nation panel, Tim Donner, Graham Joe Noble, and Scott D. Casenza. Earlier in the show, we talked about the problems that Joe Biden is likely to face. But now I want to shift to what Republicans can actually do with their admittedly razor-thin majority. Uh, Graham, I want to start with you on this. Uh, recently, you wrote an article for LibertyNation.com detailing the uh, possible incoming House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, and his plans to oust Democrat committee leadership. So who is being sent the way of the, the dinosaur, the eight-track and white leather shoes? Well, McCarthy says that he, he, he singled out three Democrats in particular whom he would like to, or he said he's going to get rid of, uh, is going to basically strip them of their committee positions. Representative Adam Schiff, California, and, and the McCarthy says that basically that Schiff has, you know, lied, you know, just so consistently to the American people that he doesn't need, he doesn't, uh, doesn't deserve his position on his committee. And of course, what he's referring to mostly is that, that we all remember the, the Russia collusion uh, mm. business and the special counsel investigation into that. And of course, Schiff said over and over again mm. that he had evidence. Uh, on one occasion, he said that his evidence was, uh, I believe the exact, his exact words were more than circumstantial. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you on this, Graham. Sure. Didn't you think that there was something almost McCarthy-esque about that? With I, I have here a list of 215 communists that nobody ever got to, to see those lists, but it was used to, to bolster his particular uh, political power. Yeah, there's, absolutely there's a, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, but anyway, so, so Schiff is, uh, uh, according to McCarthy, um, assuming he gets the Speaker's gavel, of course, yep. uh, then uh, Schiff is... Uh, out the door, uh, and then there's Eric Swalwell, um, because A fang fang fame, uh, because yeah, and indeed, and that's exactly the reason why that is the reason why McCarthy has singled him out because of that. Because uh, Christine Fang, uh, aka Fang Fang, the uh, at least suspected Chinese spy, 
who uh, actually fled the country when the FBI started taking an interest in her. But he had an association with her and, you know, and he's on the Intelligence Committee, House Intelligence Committee. So so that's a bit... Uh, that seems a bit ironic, to say the least. A little, right? I think uh, McCarthy said something about uh, he, if he can't get uh, security clearance in the public sector, exactly. how on earth is he going to get one in? Right. Yeah. Exactly right. Exactly right. And and then the last one is uh, Representative Ilan Omar of Minnesota, and uh, she is on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and of course she has a history of of saying very inflammatory things about Israel while at the same time just seemingly refusing to recognize that that Islamist terrorism even exists. And, well, uh, so, and some people and, did and certainly been an apologist for it. Yeah. So he and she married her brother, too, and lied about it for the immigration. Right. That's, well, that that, I mean, that's that is a, a story that hasn't, to my mind, ever been debunked, Scott. Have you seen it? The reason it hasn't been debunked is because elite media, big media, doesn't discuss it, doesn't investigate it, doesn't care. Well, they actually do care. They care not to cover it. It, 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 it does. There is a lot of clarity in that situation. If you just look at the, as Alex Jones might say, look at the documents. Scott, tell me, what do you know about the Congressional Integrity Project? The Congressional Integrity Project is a kind of, you know, if you want to say, uh, speak about them in a negative term, you'd say a shadow money group where, you know, they, uh, you can't determine where, I think they're a 501c4. You know, in the United States, it depends on your tax status, sort of how you have to report or if you have to report who funds you and what political activities or near political activities you might be able to engage in. Uh, this is the kind of group that doesn't have to report their uh, who, who their funders are. And, and what's uh, their know, purpose? They're raising debt. Th- this occurs, by the way, on the right as well as the left, that people use the tax code sure. to conceal their funders. And I think that generally speaking, uh, even though I teed it up that way, we should celebrate anonymous speech as uh, a key part of free speech. Uh, yeah. And they are actually uh, they're a great and refreshing group, Mark, because they don't hide their intentions whatsoever. They say that they're committed to exposing the reality behind Republicans' politically motivated oversight and investigations targeting President Biden and the Democrats. And that's exactly what they're about, um, except that, you know, for them, what that means is literally just attacking anyone who means to exercise oversight over President Biden or the Democrats. But they're not shy about it. They're going to attack anybody who says anything negative about about Biden or about or or, uh, sort of engages in investigations about Biden or his family by attacking those people and their family members and friends as well. Tim, it seems to me that the the GOP uh, battered and bruised over the last couple of years were using the House power to almost reestablish themselves. Um, But will that be a reestablishment back to the the party it was in 2019, 2018, let's say before the the pandemic. Um, and how do you think that will play with the growing, the fast growing group of independent voters out there who ordinarily would not classify themselves as Republicans? Well, I think it's pretty clear that Trumpism is going to not only survive, but thrive uh, through the 2024 election. Trump himself, we're not so sure, because, of course, there's going to be others who challenge him 
which is something that used to be unthinkable. The permission concept, people who wouldn't say a word against Trump for years now suddenly are emboldened, like Chris Christie, the ultimate politician who hated Trump, then he loved him, now he hates him. So there's there's politics for you. So, sorry, you know, quick I, interruption there. Chris Christie and Charlie Crist, there's a oh, similarity, right? Where does one end and the other begin? Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be all posturing during these next two years with a divided government. Um, I think what you're going to get, the, the best thing that the Republicans can do is follow through on their promise to repeal the 87,000 new IRS agents, because number one, they'll look heroic. Number two, they'll force Democrats to vote against lowering the bar on the IRS. In other words, the Democrats will be forced to vote in favor of having more IRS agents. That's the kind of posturing that will happen. Chuck Schumer did that, for example, after the uh, Supreme Court decision Dobbs. He he forced a vote on abortion because he wanted uh, Republicans to go on record as opposing it. So there'll be a lot of that kind of posturing, I think, uh, in this upcoming uh, two years, which is all going to be really just setting up for 2024. Just in a very quick. We will we will lead the world. I, I agree with you there. Oh, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the politicians do posturing well. One final yes or no answer on this uh, round table. Do you think that Joe Biden and the Democrats will ramp up the anti-MAGA rhetoric? And, and include the representatives in the House with them if they don't go along with Joe Biden agenda. A quick round table, yes or no? Is it even possible uh, for <laughs> is it even possible for them not to? On the other hand, is it can there be any rhetoric more extreme than Joe Biden calling MAGA Republicans, which presumably means that seventy four million people have voted for Trump? calling them violent extremists and a threat to the future of the republic. I don't know that you can go any more scorched earth than Tim, that, except to include the others. I, I no, don't think... Republicans in it. In, in the, in, uh, to quote the song, I don't think you've seen anything yet. Now, you're listening to Liberty Nation Radio. That's yes from me, the, by the way. For the that's round a yes from you. Answer. Graham? Uh, my, my answer to your question involves imagery of a bear um, doing something in the woods. Absolutely, with a, a pack of toilet paper with him. Now, you're listening to Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio American Network. After this short break, we'll be back with our special panel on what Democrats are doing to prepare for a season in the wilderness. Don't touch that dial. America is free. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise, and freedom is special and rare. This is Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides, a production of LibertyNation.com, going after what the politicians really mean and making it all clear for your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. And we're back on Liberty Nation Radio. Earlier we talked Joe Biden's lame duck presidency and the future soul of the GOP. But let's not forget those poor Democrats who've had two years living high on the hog, unfettered in their legislative agenda. But now the purse strings may be somewhat curtailed. Who's going to bail them out, Scott? 
market always comes down to the people, uh, whether it's through one layer of taxation or another or the taxation of businesses that the people ultimately fund through their consumerism. All the money for all the stuff always comes out of our pockets. And Tim, so is Joe Biden's vision for America dead in the water, legislatively speaking? Well, I think considering he acted after 2020 like he had won like an FDR level landslide, he legislated or he governed or he presided like that. I mean, they won the barest majority in both the Senate and the House, and yet uh, they came forward with radical proposals that were entirely antithetical to what they had run on uh, in 2020. And somehow the the voters did not uh, punish them for it uh, in 2022. So, you know, Biden's vision basically is an America without Trump. That's about it. He's a career politician uh, who has never had what George H.W. Bush used to call the vision thing. He's a he's a transactional politician who basically represented a radical party in 2020. Now, in 2022, he does. He's tried his best to get through trillions in new spending. Uh, he succeeded in stoking inflation. But now, uh, no, he he does not have any ability to push that through. He has said and basically he's doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on it. And he'll say it again. His goal in life is to rid the country of Donald Trump. And if he does that, um, he will have accomplished what he hoped to. And that's proven more than enough for Democrats uh, up to now, apparently. Yeah, we saw that uh, with some of his first acts in office was to take down uh, elements of the Trump legacy. Uh, And of course, some of them he's had to Kind of, kind of rebuild back in a what he calls a better way. You mean uh, just, like the wall? <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, who, who would have thought would that? Never mm. go back to building the wall, and yet he did. Mm. But it's he in a humane and compassionate way that respects, you know, the legacy of colonialism and gender and, identity, and trans rights, and, yeah, <laughs> in a non-binary fashion is how it's being yes. built now, Tim. Not it's, in a hateful. Binary way, like Donald yeah. Trump wanted. It. Well, he could have just finished the whole wall and sprayed it, you know, in rainbow colors or something, and surely everyone would have been happy. Yeah, literally everyone, everyone would have been satisfied with that. I'm sure. Now, Graham, during the campaign season, Joe Biden, he said that uh, if the American people gave him two more senators, he would get busy with everything. And I, I do want to go into what this everything. It is later, but presumably he meant that by getting the two, he could ditch trying to rally Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. Um, now we know the we don't know the full make of the Senate yet, but it seems that uh, even if Raphael Warnock does prevail in Georgia, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden they still can't scrap the filibuster, can they? Well, can I'm I'm sure they will try, but I don't think they'll be successful in doing I mean, it. They don't and- have the numbers. Is, is that right? 
Well, they they really don't, and and you know they're never going to get. I, I I don't believe. I mean, I, I hate to I hate to um, imply that politicians sometimes say one thing and then completely change their mind because we the know thought. that doesn't happen. Mm. Um, but uh, I but in this case, I don't see honestly. I don't see Joe Manchin ever uh, kind of coming around on that. I really don't. I think he's 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 kind of staked out his own personal. Like that's he, he picked that hill to die on for for want of a better term was that he was not going to allow the filibuster to uh, to go down and um, and I think he will stick to that so I so it's kind of really it's um, you know there's no there's no to me there's no real change in how the Senate is going to do things um, whether or not um, you know whether Warnock wins or whether uh, Herschel Walker manages to pull it out which. To be honest, personally, I think he actually will. Um, but really, there's you know it's going to be business as usual in the Senate. And uh, what I think we're going to see, basically, because Democrats are in for a really tough two years here in terms of legislation, we're going. To, I, I believe we're going to see Democrats frequently, publicly, uh, kind of badgering Joe Biden to get out his his phone and his pen and just legislate from the white house well it's funny you mentioned next uh i can't i kind of expect to see uh joe biden and senate democrats pushing for something on roe v wade scott obviously since the the dobbs decision it, it's kind of been dead in the water he didn't have the opportunity to do it before the midterms to, to codify roe v wade as he said he was going to try and get done uh, that's completely out of the question now. Do you think or no? Well, first of all, I think I have to just take a moment to discuss this notion of codifying Roe v. Wade. It's said uh, yes, please, yes, all the time, like it's somehow possible to in encode a judicial decision interpreting a lower court decision uh, as law. That's not that's not something that can happen. What they mean is that there are certain parts of the holding that they could pass into federal law. But the idea that you could encode it into federal law is just I don't know who came up with that idea or why it's been so popularly sold as a way to discuss it. But it really does like go like nails on the chalkboard for me. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, they could do it with more Democrats in Congress than they have now. They have now. So why would they be able to do it with fewer? Uh, that doesn't seem to make sense to me. Also, for whatever reason, they've always refused to do it when they could actually get it done. Like Barack Obama said uh, before he uh, became president of the United States, that that would be a priority for him. I don't know if he said like day one, but it was sort of that kind of language. Like we're going to do this right away. He said that before, as you might imagine, groups of women who uh, <laughs> were campaigning for him on that basis. Uh, but then when he got into office, suddenly it became, uh, you know, not a priority. So I would just suggest like, Every time they have the power to do it, they don't. It's sort of like Republicans and really good uh, uh, anti-gun control measures. You know, they talk about them, but when they can actually enact them, they're, they're, they're kind of more quiet on them. And Democrats seem to be the same way with this. Well, what do you think, Tim? Is it uh, more useful as a political threat to hold over or as a promise to hold over election into election into election? As Scott says, Barack Obama promised it didn't happen. Joe Biden's been promising it hasn't happened yet. Do you think it's more useful to have it held out there as a, a carrot to encourage voters going forward? Well, you know, Mark, really, the filibuster is the last vestige of the days when 
we weren't acting like there was some kind of civil war between the two sides where they were so balkanized and so bitterly divided. It's the only thing that stops a strictly partisan passage of, of you know, earth-shaking legislation. Let's go back to the founders. They wanted it to be very difficult and deliberative to make major changes in the law. They didn't specify a filibuster per se, but the way they designed the government was so that if we were going to do something really major, there had to be broad consensus. And the filibuster reflects that. And of course, the Democrats would love to get rid of it and to push everything through that they can. But, you know, it's frightening, really, how close they came. Because it was really only Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, and it sounded to me like Cinema maybe possibly could have been talked out of it. Manchin couldn't, but boy, I'll tell you, every time that there was this push to get him to change, it sent chills up and down the spine to know what that would mean—the kind of radical left-wing socialist legislation that could have passed in the last two years were it not for the lone figure of Joe Manchin. I'd like to uh, point out to, for the record, too, the, the, the founders were far less populist than we are. We now have direct election of our senators, and that was not part of the founders' vision. And if the states are the ones who pick the senators like, like they envisioned, it would even be more of a cooling period for these kind of big swings in legislation, I think. Uh, you know, more cooler heads would prevail. Food for thought indeed, Scott. Thank you. Now, Liberty Nation will be right back after this short break, asking whether the fourth estate is once again ready to resume its role as attack dog rather than cheerleader. Don't go anywhere. For your freedom and your liberty. Liberty Nation with Mark Angelides. The changing role of America's fourth estate has been both chimerical and blatant. Under President Trump, journalists became attack dogs. And under President Biden, more like sycophants and cheerleaders. But now the GOP is on the cusp of controlling the House. What role will the media play? Now, Tim, will the partisan divide become even more apparent or has the media found itself a foil for which to blame all of the inevitable woes that Joe Biden will face over the next two years? I mean, could the media divide actually be any more uh, dramatic as it is now? Well, I mean, but we, we, we had a, a major network just today on the day of recording put out a, a very detailed piece saying that uh, Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Two years after everybody else knew. So you never know. They're, well, they're done coming together. They've, put, they've done a real investigation, an exhaustive one, and it took them two years. You know, that's that's perfectly understandable, Mark. But um, in terms of the fourth estate, look, I mean, any doubts about their standing, their liberal bias, those were answered fully and finally in 2016 and then again in 20. I mean, the, they're the ones that foisted the Russia collusion hoax upon us. They're the ones that refused to report on this Hunter Biden laptop, which, as you say now, remarkably, we found out is actually real. Um, right after the midterms, I might add. Right after, just the, right after the midterms. Yeah. It's amazing how many coincidences like this happen in politics. But, uh, the you know, this is this is something that the White House is going to have to be very, very 
adept at addressing mm. because the facts are right there. As Lisa K. Downer wrote in her article that the uh, Republicans presented uh, with evidence nine different counts that they believe are worthy of pursuit, meaning that they're pretty much convinced Biden is guilty of all of them, and now they're going to go out, set out to prove it. So I think that, uh, you know, the White House is is going to have to be pretty clever because they cannot fight back against content that is literally on the laptop that says what it says. All they can do is basically say it's politically motivated. Hey, no kidding. Wow. How about that? A politically motivated mm-hmm. Uh, investigation in Washington, and they can say it's a witch hunt, and they can say, you know, it's... Who's, it's who said that? Or, I've heard people say things are witch hunts before. Who was that? No, never heard that word. No, never heard that term much. before. I, no, I, I just think, uh, Tim, I, I think everybody uh, kind of had a little inward smirk there when you said that the White House needs to be intelligent. Uh, I think we all had a little uh, brain flicker there on that one. Now, Graham, I, I think we've seen future glimpses of what to expect with the the left's reaction to for example trump being reinstated on twitter haven't we is this the kind of meltdown that we're likely to see the same meltdown that we're likely to see for the next 23 months oh it's it's going to be as the as the young people these days like to say it's going to be epic mark yes scott Um, and i do like to say that don't we scott (laughs) oh it's also going to be amazing that's the other one. Everything it already is, is amazing. Awesome. The already awesome. and what it no, no, no. I, I'm chomping at the bit to want to talk about no, this. Awesome. They awesome fight about it. Outdated, Scott. Their reaction shows awesome you anymore. just how much it matters that they can't even handle a little bit of exposure and poking fun at their agenda and the real truth behind, you know, what's going on. Uh, they have to have all this control, and that's it. So Elon is is my new hero. Well, it's what what is going to be interesting to see from the media is that despite the midterm results, where the Democrats had a let's just say a surprisingly good showing, but despite that, more and more people on the left, we we know we can see the signs all the time. More and more people within the Democratic political establishment, and more people. Uh, within the left-leaning media world uh, are, I believe, becoming increasingly more concerned about the prospect of Joe Biden running for a second term, um, as they should be, I would say. And so so what are they looking at? They've they've got a dilemma on their hands now because they're they're obviously going to hound the Republicans for their, you know, partisan investigations and the witch hunts and all the rest of it. You know, they got to go after the the, the Republicans for that. But at the same time, how far are they going to go in defending Joe Biden, especially if the Republicans actually do start producing some actual evidence? That Um, is the question. That is indeed the question. How 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 do they how do they defend a president the, who maybe secretly they would rather not be there you know come the next uh, presidential election season? Mark, that, I that, think that is part, Graham. That's the key, I think. Yeah, yeah. Think how how some, do you balance it, Tim? I think there's some through the darkness, so to speak. There is some light in the media, and I think it's only because of ratings. Donald Trump threw the media into an entirely different orbit 
because first they covered him at great length and then felt guilty when he got elected because they felt like they gave him so much free airtime. So they went to the other extreme and they did everything they could do to take him down. But now that he's not the dominant figure, everything has changed again. And you can see some promising signs from CNN, which has fired some of its worst, you know, left wing uh, hosts and anchors. Uh, And even MSNBC, where they're being encouraged not to be quite so anti-Fox News, so to speak, that's been happening over these last weeks. So if only because of ratings, it seems that CNN and MSNBC might be leading a movement to try and restore the credibility of elite media. The question is whether they could ever do it after these last years. Um, I think that's a very open question because they basically sacrificed their uh, journalistic integrity at the altar of taking down Trump. Scott, I, I want I want you to finish this one up for us, Scott, because obviously you are a bit of a fan of the moves that Elon Musk is making over at Twitter, and I know you're keen to to give your two cents on this. But do you think that now that Elon has uh, said that Twitter is the new media, do you think that's true? Yes, in many ways. For quick breaking stories and to find out what's going on now and in various places, Twitter is often a great place to learn what's happening. Now, the kind of verification of facts for something that you come across on Twitter would be different than if you saw it printed in you know, the Sacramento Bee, for instance. But uh, nevertheless, when you're looking for breaking information about what's happening, I think we all will check Twitter in our own work to try to see what's happening. It helps complete the picture. And in some areas, it is the picture uh, with areas that, you know, other media sources won't cover. The sort of direct journalism by like I'm thinking of uh, people like Andy No, for instance, um, and some others James uh, who produce their journalism yeah. on Twitter. And if you just look at how hard they're fighting Elon for making it free. This is just so people can say things freely, yes. right? It's that, that's all that they're against. They have absolutely beclowned themselves by proclaiming that it's somehow totalitarianism to want to allow free voices to, <clears throat> to be be speaking freely. And, and that, uh, I just think that the more they fight against it, the more that shows you the value of it um, and and the value for fighting for free speech. Well, well, remember, I think listen- it's also important to point out the advent of Substack which has taken the kind of writers like Andy know that Scott just discussed and given them a forum independent from the corporate cultures that they came from, where they weren't free to write quite the same way. I think Substack has made a real difference in the media because it provides uh, competition that written media has never had before. And remember, of course, we do. Uh, LibertyNation.com does have both Twitter and Substack, and you guys can check it out at home. Gentlemen, thanks ever so much for your time and input. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure, Mark. And that's almost all we have time for on this week's edition of Liberty Nation Radio here on the Radio America Network. I'd like to thank our guests, Tim Donner, Graham J. Noble, and Scott DiCasenza, for taking part in our special panel show. And my thanks, of course, to you, the listeners out there who tune in every week. You really are appreciated. Uh, a final thought to leave you with. As some people deal with change well, others tend to fall apart at the seams. How this plays out for Democrats, Republicans, the media, and indeed, even those interested political observers who are just regular folk looking into 
how the elected use their borrowed power? Well, that's something that we don't know yet. But as Leo Tolstoy once wrote, everyone thinks of changing the world, but no one thinks of changing himself. And I think that's something that all of those in government, and perhaps even us, would do well to understand. Thanks for listening.